0: Hey, welcome to our Easter online experience. Thank you so much for joining us. Wherever you're watching us from, whatever device that you're watching on, hey, thank you for tuning in today. My name is Pastor Andrew. I'm lead pastor at Passionate Life church. And when this is all over, listen, when this is all over, I would love to meet you. I know there's a lot of people that have been tuning in, that have been watching us, that have actually never been to our physical location here in Littleton, Colorado. And so I would love to give you a high five, handshake, or a hug. Would love to meet you. Would love to get to know you and do life with you as soon as the pandemic is over. Hey, I know that there's going to be a couple different people watching this service today. Maybe someone invited you to watch or you stumbled upon us on our YouTube channel and you're just kind of curious about God. My hope, listen, I'm going to put my agenda out there front, okay, out front, all right? My hope is that you encounter God, that you have a real encounter with our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Man, for about seven years of my life, I did drugs and alcohol and I partied and I encountered an experience with God that radically transformed my life. And so my hope is that you find what you're looking for today. Uh, The second type of person, maybe this is your one religious activity for the year, Easter, right? And you're checking it off today by watching this message. My hope today is that this becomes more than just a religious obligation once a year for you. My hope is that you encounter the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the grave, and you become hungry for more of what God has in store for your life. And then the third type of person, you're, man, you're, you love this day, right? And you're a little sad because you can't come to church, and you can't gather together. You can't wear your church hat. You know what I'm saying, right? And so you're, you're, you're kind of a little sad today. Listen, this message is going to encourage you. It's going to inspire you to be all that God has called and created us. Listen, the churches might be empty today, but so is the tomb. Come on, somebody. And I just want to wish everybody a happy Easter, but really, this day is more about Easter more than just about Easter, this day is about the resurrection. And so I want to wish everybody a happy resurrection day. This moment in history, this is what separates us from all other religions. No other religion has a God who sends his only son, to live among us, and then be crucified, a criminal's death. And we saw that on Friday. And if you missed our Good Friday service, man, I want to I encourage you to go back and watch it because it's all about the suffering of Jesus, right? And then he, he dies, he's crucified on a cross, and then three days later, he rises from the dead. Some of you sports fanatics out there, I know, I know you're you're, you're hungry for some sports, right? Uh, many of us, we've seen the grainy footage of Babe Ruth, right? Where he points his shot, right? And he hits a home run. He calls his shot and he hits a home run. And we think, wow, man, that's amazing. Well, Jesus, he called his death and resurrection. Come on, you want to talk about something that's really impressive? Jesus predicted that he would die and rise again, on the third day. And after this moment, after he rises again, some 500 people encounter our risen Savior. They talk with him. They eat with him. They, they, they feel his body, that he's real. They, they, they stick their finger in the holes, they stick their finger in the holes in his hand, and they actually see where he was, he was hit with a spear on his side. But there's something in Scripture, it's just one of these most profound statements that proves what we're doing today as we celebrate the resurrection day. It just proves, it resounds throughout history. And it's some words from somebody that maybe you, you've probably never even heard of this person. And his name is Rabbi Gamaliel, and he's only in the Bible a couple times. And we see him for the first time in Acts chapter. Five. So let me give you some background of this guy, okay? Let me give you some context, okay? His great-grandfather uh, was a famous rabbi, okay? And, and Gamaliel was very respected in the synagogue, in the Sanhedrin. He was a big deal. Here's a little fun fact for you. One of Gamaliel's students went on to be a super apostle, probably the greatest apostle of Jesus Christ. His name was Saul. And when he was converted to Christ, his name was Paul. And so he actually studied under Gamaliel. And so let me give you some context. Let me paint the picture for you. Jesus rises from the dead, okay? And then he ascends, 40 days later, he ascends into heaven. He sends his Holy Spirit to his believers and his believers are filled with power and they are telling everybody about Jesus. 3,000 people get saved in one day. This is a strong and powerful move of God. Peter goes from a denier to uh, professing Uh, Jesus as Lord, and they are seeing supernatural miracles happen, and people are being saved daily. We've been talking about this in our living room experience uh, over the last several weeks as we've been going back to the early church and kind of studying uh, what happened and what made them so successful and, and so powerful and so next week, we're, uh, we're going to continue that series. So I want to invite you to come back next week to continue our series on the early church. And one of the things that I want us to, to know is that the church was never man's idea. It was God's idea. And so they're seeing believers getting saved and, and baptized. And so the Jewish leaders, the Sanhedrin, are getting worried. And so they arrest Peter and the apostles, and they bring them into this courtyard. And they're talking about killing them. They're talking about. I'm like, man, you guys need to stop doing this. And Peter's like, no, we're not going to stop teaching about Jesus. And he's so, he's speaking with such authority that it's making them really nervous. And so they're talking about killing him. And Gamaliel, Rabbi Gamaliel, stands up and he says, okay, let's get the let's get the apostles out of here. Okay, let's get them out. Let me have the floor. Okay. And he turns to his fellow rabbis, right? And he says, okay, guys, we've seen this before, right? And he starts talking about uh, past people who have claimed to be the Messiah, who have claimed to uh, be the Savior of the Jewish people, and he even mentions their name. He says, remember the guy, his name was Thaddeus. Remember Thaddeus? He had about 400 followers, and they were following him, and he got killed, and they all scattered, and that was the end of that movement. And he says, well, remember that guy from, you remember that Judas guy? He was from, uh, he was from Galilee, and, and, uh, you know, people were following him, and he was telling people that he was going to overthrow the Roman government. Remember that guy? And they're like, yeah. He's like, and he died, right? And that movement was stopped. And he turns to them, and he says the most one of the most profound words in all of the Bible, and we find it in Acts 5, verse 39, and I want to read it for you. He says this, But if this movement that these apostles, that these disciples of Jesus are having, if this movement is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. So essentially, he stands up in front of these guys. He's like, listen, guys, we've seen this before. We've seen what the fake looks like, right? We've seen these guys that have claimed to be the Messiah and they've been killed and and the the followers have been scattered and and nothing has come of it. So look, if this movement is truly from God, there's nothing we can do to stop it. We can kill these guys, but there's going to be 10 more just like them that will pop up. And we fast forward to the day that we're living in today, 2020. And over 2 billion people today will be celebrating this day, this Easter day, this Resurrection Day. 2 billion. It started with 120 in an upper room, and today it's grown to over 2 billion. There are now over 7 billion copies of the Bible all over the world and and translators are are continuously translating the word of God into different languages and and bringing it to tribes that never have had the word of God and people are being converted every single day to this movement. Those words that Gamaliel had spoken some 2,000 years ago are reigning true today. We are in a movement of God that no government, that no empire, that nobody can stop. Today, we're celebrating Easter in a different way, right? For, for many of you, this is weird. It's weird for me, okay? And, but the actuality is, is that we're more like the first Easter, right? The biblical view of Easter than we ever have before. You see, the first Easter, the disciples thought it was over. They, didn't, they weren't sure if Jesus was going to rise from the grave. They were filled with, with fear. And so they had locked themselves in their homes because they were, they were afraid to be arrested. They, they were afraid to be killed, too. And so here we are today. We're, we're in our homes, kind of like the original Easter, and many of us are dealing with fear. And so the title of my message for the rest of the time this this morning that we have, I want to talk to you from a place called Having Faith Over Our Fear. Come on, let's pray, and we'll get into God's Word today. Father, I thank you for this moment. I thank you that we can still have Easter, Lord, and we can still broadcast your Word virtually, Lord. God, I just pray right now, that our hearts would be open, our minds would be opened to everything that you have in store for our lives, God. Jesus, we thank you that you rose from the grave, that you conquered death and sin, and that we can celebrate that today. Lord, I just pray right now that all fear would be banished under the sound of my voice. All distraction would be gone. Let us focus on you for the next 20, 25 minutes, Lord. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen and amen. And so, faith over fear. We're experiencing some fear today. And so, I did some research this week and um, I I looked at uh, the different fears that people experience the top 10 fears, the top five fears. And um, I I saw this study by this independent. this independent psychology, uh, this psychology study, and it's really about mental health and really the mental health that we are experiencing right now, right? And so I took the top fears um, that we could, be, we could be experiencing right now. The number one, the fear of loneliness. The fear of loneliness. Many of you today are experiencing loneliness. And you might even be around people, but you still feel alone. You're not able to do the things that you like to do. You're, some of you aren't able to, to go to work or, or uh, go to the gym, right? Or, or even take your kids to the playground. And so, man, there's this fear of, of real isolation, this, this real loneliness. In Hebrews, I want to read this scripture. Actually, it's in Isaiah, Isaiah 41.10. And the Lord is speaking to Isaiah here in 41, verse 41.10. And he says this, he speaks to our loneliness. He says, so do not fear, for I'm with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. We think about the Christmas story when when God came to this earth, when Jesus came to this earth, they called him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is the God that we serve, a relational God that wants to be with us every single moment of our day, even when we're in a pandemic, right? Even when we have to socially isolate, man, God is with us. And we can forget that God is with us because we can be so filled with fear. But listen, God speaks to our fear today. And he says, listen, you're not alone. I am with you. and I will be with you always. You know, one of the reasons why God created the church is so we wouldn't be alone. So we wouldn't try to live this Christian life by ourselves. And maybe you're saying to me today, well, well, pastor, I've tried church and I didn't like it. I didn't have a good experience. Listen, try again. Okay. Not all churches are created equal. Okay. Try again because God's design and plan for you is that you would be around a bunch of people that will encourage you, that will love you, that will inspire you in times like these. God did not create us to be alone, to isolate ourselves. Listen, God himself doesn't even do life alone, okay? He's got Jesus, and he's got the Holy Spirit, all right? And so, listen, God is with you. You might feel alone. You might feel some loneliness today. You might feel some depression. Listen, invite God into your life today. Invite Him into your home today. Invite Him into your situation because He wants to be with you. The second fear that I want to address today that we're probably all struggling with and, and one of the most popular fears that people are probably thinking about today is the fear of death. Now, whatever your stance is with the coronavirus, whether you think it's serious or not serious, it's killed people, okay? And just losing one person is is sad. And whenever we go through things like these where where people are are dying or, or we're afraid maybe that we might get it and might die, or someone we know might get it or die. We start thinking about death, right? And we start, uh, man, having this, this fear creep in that we, we might die because it's at the forefront of our, our minds. It's at the forefront of our minds. And I love how the writer of Hebrews addresses this. He, he writes it so eloqu- eloquently here in Hebrews two fourteen through 15. He says this, Because God's children are human beings, made of flesh and blood. The Son also became flesh and blood. You see, Jesus came as a human. Yes, he was fully God, but he was also fully human. Why did he want to do that? He wanted to do that because he wanted to walk in our shoes. You see, Jesus had a, come on, he was a blue-collar worker. He was a carpenter. His daddy owned his own carpentry business. And come on, he got splinters in his hands, right? And he made tables and chairs and all types of things. And and, man, he was a blue-collar worker. And so Jesus wanted to walk in our shoes. He wanted to feel what it felt like to lose business or to struggle financially, he, he, you know, those of you that have lost your jobs, man, God knows what you're feeling today. He knows the sense of loss that you're going through and, and, and the struggle that you're struggling with today because he walked in our shoes. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Jesus came to free us from the fear of dying. Jesus promises us after this life that he has gone before us and prepared a place for us that is beyond our hopes and dreams and imaginations. He even told his disciples, he's like, look, guys, if there wasn't a better place than this one, I would tell you. I would, I would give you the bad news. But here's the truth. The truth is, is that, man, me and dad, we're, we're creating, man, eternity for you that is so amazing. It is beyond your hopes and dreams. And so you don't have to worry. You don't have to fear death. Death is something that can actually be celebrated when you're one of my followers because, man, that's the place where we all want to be. That's the place where we get to spend eternity with our Father. And so today, maybe you're struggling with the fear of death. And I want to invite you to give Jesus an opportunity to lift this fear from your life. Because as believers, we don't have to live as slaves to this fear. Because Jesus died on the cross and he conquered the grave, he conquered sin and death. Let's go to point number three. This is my favorite point, and that is the fear of germs okay, called germophobia. This is real fear. It was actually uh, number five on the list, but I, I boosted it up, okay, because I feel like this pandemic that we're in today is going to change the way we think, okay? I know it's going to change the way I think the next time I go to an airport, okay? I'm putting a mask on, do you know what I'm saying? Uh, and not just any mask, I'm putting a Darth Vader mask on, do you know what I'm saying, you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's going to change the way we think. Think right now. Some of you who are already who have been germophobes, nobody's laughing at you now. Come on, some like nobody's laughing at you now, right? But it's going to change the way we we think. It's going to change the way we go to the store or go to the gym or even go to church. And and this is what Satan is going to try to do. He he's going to try to stop us from living life. He, he's going to want us to become hermits and, and, and just let fear overtake us and be worried that, man, there's germs everywhere and, man, I, I, can't, go, I can't go to work and I can't go to school and, and I just got to stay in my house and I can't go to the movies I can't go to church because there's all these people and all these germs, you know, swirling and I might get sick. Jesus says this in Matthew 8, 14 through 17. When Jesus arrived at Peter's house, Peter's mother-in-law was sick in bed with the coronavirus. I added, I added that. But when Jesus touched her hand, the coronavirus left her. Then she got up and prepared a meal for him. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. He cast out the evil spirits with a simple command, and he healed all the sick. This fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah, who said, He took our sickness and removed our diseases. Listen, you think the line at Costco is long right now? Think about the line to line up to have Jesus touch you, to have Jesus pray for you. Listen, Jesus has conquered every sickness, every disease every illness, and he proved it. All through Scripture, every single person that came to him that was sick, he healed them. Every single one. There, there was a point in time where, where Jesus was speaking to some 20,000 people, scholars believe, and he healed every single person that was there. I mean, just think about the line that was lined up behind Jesus to have him touch him, to have Jesus have Jesus pray over them now what does this mean for us today does this mean as followers of Christ we won't get sick no it doesn't mean that does it mean when we do get sick we instantly get healed no it doesn't mean that either What it does mean is that Jesus has power over all of it and so we don't have to live our lives in fear. We we can actually live our lives and go to the gym and go to school and go to work and not live in this fear that something bad is going to happen to us. You see, Satan would love us to stop living life. And Jesus says, look, 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 I've come to give you an abundant life. I want you to enjoy everything that I've placed in this world. And I don't want anything to stop us from experiencing that. Jesus says, I, I got power over all illness and sickness, the coronavirus, man. I, he's got all power over it. And so we don't have to live in fear of it. So we're never going to be completely away from fear. We're, we're always going to have to deal with fear. Fear Fear is always going to be in our lives, and that's why we have to have faith, right? Faith trumps fear. And right now, I would say all of us are feeling that things are out of control, right? We've been... A lot of things have been taken from us, right? Control has been taken to us, like... For me, I can't even take my kids to the playground and let them play in the playground. I mean, there's yellow tape around everything. And it's just things have been taken from us. And so when, when things have been taken from us and control has been removed from us and we don't have control to do what we want to do, man, that's when we allow Man, fear can creep in. And that's why we have to choose faith in these times where we're. Fear is smacking us in the face when we can't go to the gym and we can't go to work and, man, we just can't do the simple things that we're so used to doing. And this is the time where, when we're feeling out of control, because fear can do that. Fear can make us feel like we don't have control. These are the times where we turn to someone who has all control. And not only does he have all control, He is the fear killer. He is the fear slayer, and his name is Jesus. And how he did it, it started on a cross, but it ended in a tomb, like the tomb that you're looking at right now that is behind me, a tomb. Jesus was placed in a tomb just like this. So let me give you some context. So Jesus died on the cross. They made sure that he was dead. They, they took a spear and they, they put it in his side and the blood and water flowed and uh, Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus took his body to ask if he could put him in a tomb and so they placed him in a tomb, an empty tomb. Now the Pharisees were like, okay, and they went to Pilate and, and the Romans and they said, okay, listen, Jesus, while he was here on earth, kept telling people that he was going to rise again uh, on the third day. And so if this happens, we're all in a a lot of trouble, okay? So let's make sure that this doesn't happen, okay? let's, Man, let's guard this thing. Let's make sure that the disciples uh, don't try and steal the body. And we know by reading the scriptures that the disciples didn't think that at all. They they, they thought it was over, right? The Pharisees actually had more faith than than the disciples did in this moment. And so they're like, look, look, we we need to guard this thing. And so Pilate says, fine, I'll send some guards. Let's actually read it here. In Scripture, Matthew 27, uh, 65 through 66, Pilate says this. He says, take guards and secure it the best you can. So they sealed the tomb with Herod's seal and posted guards to protect it. Now, listen, the guards that they posted around this, and some scholars and historians believe probably up to 40 guards were were surrounding this place. And these weren't Paul Blart's, okay? This wasn't... Uh, A bunch of mall cops, okay? And nothing against you if you're a mall cop, okay? But uh, these were assassins. These were killers. These were trained warriors. And here's the thing. Man, if they messed up, if they failed at this assignment, it was their life. That's just how the Roman Empire worked. If you screwed up, you died like that's just that's how they motivated their people, right so don't don't mess up, okay, well else we'll kill you. and so they had some motivation to not let anybody into this tomb and so they put this Roman seal on it, this this seal of of Herod and, and basically what this seal told everybody is that this was the highest power on earth, and the only Person that could break the seal would have to have a higher power than Herod. And so we see this sealed tomb, and, and this rock, this stone that they put in front of it, was massive, it was huge. And the two Marys and Salome, okay, on the third day, all right, this is the third day um, that Jesus has been dead. He's been gone. And so what they're going to do is they were going to go and put spices on Jesus's body. This was a Jewish custom, kind of like what we would do. We would bring flowers to a grave, right? It was, it was similar to that type of custom. And so they're, they're, they're walking to uh, the tomb, and they're starting to have a discussion about, well, who's going to help us roll away the stone? Who, who's going to help us do this? And so let's, let's read it in uh, Mark 16, 3 through 6. says this, On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is in here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. So here's a question. Why did Jesus roll away, or why did Jesus have an angel roll away the stone? Why didn't he have it disintegrate? Why didn't he have it, like, shoot, shoot, you know, a hundred feet away? Like, why does he roll this away? One, I believe, there's a couple symbolism in this. One, I believe that Jesus wanted to show us that he had authority over the Roman Empire, that, that nobody could keep uh, Jesus contained. Come on, somebody. Nobody can contain Jesus and he just rolls away the stone. He, he breaks the seal. He's saying, look, no government, no empire can hold me captive. No grave, no tomb can hold me. And he just rolls away the stone. The other thing I feel like Jesus is showing us in this moment is that All of us, our lives, we start out in this dark place, almost like a tomb. In John 10, verse 9, I want to read it. I want to read it. It's the ESV version today. And these are the words of Jesus. And he says this, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The reality is that nobody alone could have moved this giant, massive stone. And this proves true to our lives today. None of us can find salvation on our own. Man, there's things in our life that we're going through, that we've gone through, that have made our lives kind of dark. And many times the answer isn't that we try harder. Many times the answer is to to let Jesus do what he's already done. He's already done the heavy lifting. He's already moved the stone out of our life. And he is the doorway. And he's asking us today, go through the doorway. Go through the doorway. Step out of the, the darkness and into the light. Maybe there's areas of your life that you've never shed light on, and it's just, man, ravaged you and just caused you to feel stress and pain and just fear and anxiety. What Jesus is inviting us to do today, he's inviting us to step out of our tomb, out of our dark places. Man, he's already rolled away the stone. He's already done the heavy lifting. He, what, the only thing he's asking us is to walk through the doorway that is Jesus, to accept him, that we would be saved by grace. And Jesus says, you will begin to experience this, this pasture, and I believe that Jesus takes this from the famous Psalm of David. When David said, and he leads me to green pastures, Jesus said, I have come to give you an abundant life. I've got good things in store for you. Man, I want you to step through out of the darkness, out of your tomb, out of your personal prison. Man, I've already opened the door. I've already rolled the stone away. I'm just asking you to step into the light and the abundant life that I have in store for you. I got a purpose. I got a plan. I got peace. I want to introduce you to the the fear killer who kills all fear in our life. And maybe you'd say today, Pastor, I've never invited Jesus. I've never gone through that doorway that is Jesus. And man, I've just been in darkness and I've been lonely and I've been afraid to die. And and man, I've been afraid of everything right now. And and I just, man, man, I feel God right now that I need to walk through that door. And I need to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Or maybe today, maybe you you gave your life to Christ at one point, but man, you've been ravaged by fear and doubt in your life. And today's the day where you're like, man, I'm going to recommit my life to Jesus. I'm really going to live like a follower of Jesus. I would invite you to say this prayer with me wherever you are. Man, you can say it out loud or you can say it to yourself. But I encourage you to say, come on, let's just pray with me as we respond to what Jesus did for us by rolling away the stone. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that we can celebrate your resurrection. And we ask right now in this moment, that you would forgive us of all of our sin, that you would come into our lives and be our Lord and King. And from this day forward, I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name amen and amen come on heaven is celebrating today they are having a party on resurrection day for your life man i want to encourage you don't stay isolated. We, we're still having life groups go on through Zoom calls. Man, we've got we got a phone number, we've got emails. We've got a virtual prayer cove that we would love to pray with you where you can actually see somebody and talk to somebody. Listen, you don't have to do life alone. We are here for you at Passionate Life Church, and we would love to do life with you and invite the power in the presence of God in your life. Hey, again, thank you for joining us today on Resurrection Sunday. Man, have a great day today with your friends and your family. Uh, Man, and I can't wait to meet some of you for the first time when this pandemic is over. Hey, have a great day. Love you guys. I'll see you sometime this week. Thank you so much for joining Passionate Life Church. We would love to give you a fresh start kit or a new Bible if you don't have one. If you made that commitment today and you don't have a Bible or you need that fresh start kit, please email us at passionlifechurch at gmail.com. Also, if you need any prayer, you can text to pray at our number here, or you can connect with us on social media. We've got encouragement during the week. We've got videos that will just bring you life and joy in this tough season. We want you to know that we love you and we care for you. We'll see you next time.